Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome, dear listeners, beautiful community of seekers to this week's episode of High Energy Health. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today and sharing this space with us. I am Miriam Paninki. I have the honor of being the guest host of this amazing radio show, this podcast for Dr. Dawson Church. And today I have the special pleasure of talking to Dr. Lori Monaco. Welcome, Lori, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Miriam. So excited. Yes, it really is. So I just wanted to briefly introduce you to our audience. For those of you who don't know Lori yet, but should get to know her very quickly, Dr. Lori Monaco is the founder and CEO of Align Yourself. She is narcissistic, toxic relationship abuse coach, mindfulness teacher, workshop facilitator, author, speaker, and also a chiropractic physician. She's known as the badass Buddha. She is a disruptor, unapologetically courageous, spiritually grounded, and keeps it real. She's a warrior stepping into her greatness in middle age by evicting three decades of depression, low self-worth, people-pleasing, and playing small. A former narcissist and asshole super attractor, she says. (laughs) Lori now teaches other women how to be the warrior in their own lives. She's the creator of the seven core pillars of yourself. Her programs include the warrior group and the VIP coaching, warrior mindfulness workshops, and the toxicity in the workplace workshops. And she is also the creator of the book series, Her Badass Story. And actually the most recent one just got published a week ago and is already on the Amazon bestseller list, as I saw. And she's just giving women a platform to share their stories of trauma, of triumph and transformation. And she's also the co-host of the show Viva Con Leche. And I'm just really excited to talk to you today, Laurie. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here with you today. Let's do this. Let's do it. So, Laurie, I'd like to start this conversation actually with you. And as do you actually in your book series where, and again, like I want to say these book series are a compilation of stories that were shared by you by various women. And you can say more about that soon and so I think like what I think already became really clear is that you are an incredibly fun and energetic person but I know and you share that you went through quite a bit of extreme suffering would you mind sharing a bit more about your journey and what you consider your breakthrough transformation moments and phases and sometimes I'm, I'm gonna say moments and phases because I know a lot of our transformation doesn't happen in like a second it, it takes some some of these are take some time so I'd really love you to share a little bit more about yourself and your own transformative journey oh yeah sure thank you yes the interesting thing I did, you know, you don't really realize how bad you are, your life is, because we just live in this bubble of lack of awareness. And I didn't, I mean, I knew things weren't great, but I didn't realize how bad they were until it just sort of blew up. 
And, and what I was talking about is just my personal life. And I had lived with depression since I was about 15 and realistically, probably 12, but they don't like to say kids are that depressed at that age necessarily, especially back when I was a as 12 year old. But realistically, I had lived with depression all those years and never really understanding it, assuming as I got older that it was genetics, it was, you know, whatever, but I lived with it and years of just not, you know, insecurities, the, the depression, a little bit of anxiety kept me from really stepping in and just acknowledging the power that I had within myself. I would have pieces of it, you know, come out. I did a lot of personal development back when it was called self-help in the mm-hmm. late, early nineties, you know, and I did all that stuff, but I would never really get far because I was missing certain pieces, which I didn't seem to learn when I was in these self-help personal development forums. So I went years and made a lot of very bad choices because I was going off of that a real lack mindset. Again, not even realizing that that's what that was, you know, just how I lived my life, you know, it wasn't until my personal life, like absolutely hit the fan and it was my marriage and it completely exploded and or imploded, however way you want to look at it. And it Uh sent me into a massive six month long depression. And Uh it was, I had been in depressive episodes prior to, but nothing this significant. It was so bad that in the midst of it for about three weeks, I was suicidal. Uh And in that period, so, you know, people say, oh, the dark night of the soul, you know, like that one, when you had said it, transformation. Uh one time transformation we know is lifelong but the event sometimes it could be one major event this case it was one major event but it took six months for me to process this event uh-huh. and then decide okay I'm doing something about this like when I turned the page of not killing myself you know like I I mean I was there I was literally ready to do it and I stopped myself and divine intervention uh-huh. for sure and then it took me another three months to really work on myself and get through the really rough pieces and then deciding, okay, I'm not playing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I, I had to own up to the parts that I played and own up to who I was and then make the changes. You know, I could blame everybody and and anybody and did in the beginning, you know, because it's natural. But in the end, the only common denominator was me. That that's mm-hmm. what it came out it was the I was the only common piece with and it wasn't just one marriage. It was two marriages. It was friendship. It mm-hmm. was co-workers. It was sibling relationships like all these relationships started to pop out to me that were really very toxic. And again, didn't realize the toxicity because I was raised that way. I was just, mm-hmm. you know, you're in it and you think this is the way it's supposed to be. Until you step out and you realize that there there are other things out there and there are other ways of doing things and handling yourself. And that's when the real eye opener hit me. And it became a massive like diving into like fate headfirst diving into a life or learning about myself that I never even knew. Like, I didn't even know these things about myself. And while they would come out periodically in that 30 year time period. It was interesting to see like, okay, well, why would I I start to come out and then pull back? 
And this pattern kept, you know, I would, I would start to play big and then I would pull back, play big and then pull back. And then finally said, I, I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't, I don't want to play small anymore. I mean, you get one life. And mm-hmm. so that became, this was seven years ago, just actually not quite even seven years ago when I ended that depressive episode, it was, it was almost just, just shy of, of seven years. And mm-hmm the massive amount of growth I had in the last, in the first, I'm sorry, two to three years was incredible. Mm -hmm. And, and it, and it really, it just, it sent me into a a really different place. And I like, I absolutely love the person I am now. And, Mm. and, and it's just so much fun because I'm still getting to know her and she still has (laughs) challenges, you know, she still has, right need to be worked on, you know, you never know until they happen and they present themselves and you're like, Oh, I thought I was past that already. All right. Let, let me work on mm-hmm. that. And so Laurie, I definitely want to talk more because what you mentioned before about the toxicity and all the relationships of your life, you've actually also made that one of the focus points of your coaching practice. And I very much want to dive into that a little bit more in depth later. But I think also this is a great segue to talk about your book series in which you have asked a number of these amazing women to share their stories. Can you tell us a little bit more about the books and why, you know, why it is chosen story format and how did this series come about and who is it for? Okay. So I would love to, I, I really love talking about this. So I think it was about five years ago. I, you know, I connected with the guy in network and, and just, you know, I listened to their videos. The thing, I love what they do. I love the the platform and I love what they put out. And so in my head, I'm thinking, boy, you know, it'd be a really cool idea for a show is to have women come up. Well, not necessarily women. It could have been men too, but have men and women come up and two, you know, an hour show and you interview two people talking about the trauma that they suffered in their life, you know, their lives, or it could be one more than one trauma and how they triumphed over the trauma and then how they transformed themselves as a result of the trauma. So in my head, I was thinking this would be so cool to create a show on. And so I sent a letter to them you know, I've never heard back. Of course, they probably get tons of letter, you know, ideas of, you know, shows, whatever. But I didn't worry about that piece of it. I kept saying, oh, well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. Maybe that's not the platform. Maybe it's not video. Maybe it's something else. And then back in 2021, I was approached by a woman that published, you know, and she said, you know, publishing is great and, you know, writing your book and blah, blah, blah. And she wrote compilation books. That's what she published were compilation books. And so the moment I she said that I started, the wheel started to turn. I said, oh, wait a minute, then maybe this is the platform. And instantly it popped in my head. What I wanted to call it was her badass story, because it's celebrating the fact that these women stepped up. They just took what happened to them and they said, you know, no more. Like this this is not going to define me. I'm going to create the person that I'm meant to be. And I'm going to use that information that was given to me because that's really what it was. It was, Mm -hmm. we experienced these things because they're really gifts that we were given as bad as they could be. So Mm -hmm. I published the first one and in November, 2021, and then the next one came out in 2022. And now I've decided that I want to publish two to three of them a year. And so we just released number three and we have number four is going to be released in the summer and number five is going to be released in the fall. And I'm, you know, collecting women, you know, who want to join, be a part of this. What it is, is these women write their own stories. And what I do is I help them 
because some women have never written before. So I help them write the story. We go mm-hmm. through it. We work things out. We connect. It's such a beautiful process. And then to see how they feel when they release this, not just releasing it on paper. I mean, releasing it from themselves. Yeah. And it's so cathartic and empowering. And the mm-hmm. flow comes with a lot of these authors because soon as they just put it out there, all these things start shifting in their life. All these incredible changes that they didn't even expect start happening. And mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful experience. You know, we create a connection. I create a connection as I'm working with them, but then the group creates a connection as a whole. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's amazing. Like it, it's so amazing that I actually, I, I'm addicted to it. I have to admit this, the first two, <laughs> I, had, I had used a, a publishing play, you know, a company to publish both books, two different publishers. But then for the third one, I said, you know what? I actually want to do this myself because I, was working with the women so much that in a way I was kind of like, okay, what am I paying? What am I paying these publishers to do if I'm doing a lot of the legwork? And I stepped in and took that role as well. And it was, mm-hmm. that was the coolest experience. Like yeah, to, to create it made me feel even closer to the book series. So now I'm even more excited. That's why I'm so excited about all of a sudden now I'm like, okay, I, I want to put out like two more this year because- yeah. These stories are so amazing. They're so wonderful to listen to or to read. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like really amazing also what you talk about in terms of the creative process or the production process or whatever it is to think that that speaks to so many of us where we kind of like feel like we need a platform like Gaia or a publisher or whatever it is that has already like an established name. We put up all these stipulations in our head when it comes to creating and realizing and manifesting whatever it is we want to put out there. But it's really, those are peanuts, you know, when really like that's what kind of this story is about where you're like, hell yeah, of course I'm going to publish this myself. I need this to come out faster. I need to, you know, this is what I'm called to do. And this is amazing. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. And the fun, and the interesting thing is that one of the authors ended up reaching out to me just at the end of this, just before we put, we actually released. And she said, you know, I'm getting ready to release my own book. This is the third of my own book. She goes, do you want to do it for me? And it's like, sure. You know, it was something that I had never thought. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, you do know that this is the first time I published this. So I'm like learning as I go. She's like, yeah, I don't care. I just, I trust you. Like, I just, I feel that it needs to go into your hands. And the interesting thing is her book is on flow, the flow state. And as I was doing hers, it was flowing. Like it was just as I was formatting her book and I did it in a record time. And I said to her, I cannot believe how this came out. I said, the irony is, is everything you're saying in your book is exactly what was happening. And it's just one of those things where you just, you trust, you know, you go in the direction that you're pulled, you're led. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I'm I'm doing. And I've always learned, I've learned this but <laughs> practicing it yeah. was it the resistance, you know, that's actually yes. what my chapter is is in the second book is about how my life actually started to go back the other direction. All that work that I did on myself. And in 2021, I was crashing and burning because I was resisting so many things because I thought in my head, I knew better and this is the way it needs to go. And I listened to a lot of people and I really started to like, I had not had any, any issue with depression since that moment I did that shift almost seven years ago. 
And then yeah. all of a sudden it started to come back. And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is mm-hmm. not okay. And it was because I was resisting. And then when I finally said, okay, I'm not going to do that for 2022. Again, all these things just popped out of nowhere because mm-hmm. I stopped resisting and I trusted in the process. And I think that's a great point to talk about is that resistance. And obviously that resistance was much stronger in that first kind of like breakdown that, that you described with your marriage kind of crashing and burning and, and all of that. But kind of like there was something within you that you say, you know, you lie out, you put these scenarios out that you kind of like had in your head, which is like, either I check out completely, I check into the hospital, or I go back and face that relationship and relationship to myself, but also that whatever kind of came down with your husband with any husband. And I think a lot of us are kind of like, how do you do because I think like, if you're not there where you've reached that kind of like dark night of the soul it's like how the hell am I gonna make that step of facing that it seems so scary what do you think is was pivotal what do you think made you do that step well I it was I think it was two parts the first step was getting deciding not to check out you know when Mm -hmm. I really feel when people are at a at a state where when I when I hear people commit suicide, a lot of people don't understand unless you've been there. And the the amount of pain that you feel to go that route is very real. And it was there for me. And luckily, the one thing that pivoted me away from doing that Mm -hmm. was my middle daughter, my middle Mm -hmm. daughter, I have three girls, they're all 10 years apart. And at the time, my middle daughter was like 12 years old. And she was just Mm -hmm. like me. And I knew that if I did this, she would do the same thing at some point in her life. Like I saw it. And that was enough Mm -hmm. to really just freak me out to say, okay, I got to figure something else out. And and I I have to fix this. And so that was the big one. And then the next one was just my resilience that I didn't even know I had. Yes. You you didn't even know you had. That's incredible. So it's there. We sometimes don't know we have it, but it's there. I want to be right back at this point in just a couple of minutes. We are just going into a short commercial break and we'll be just back in just two minutes with this great conversation with Dr. Lori Monaco. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to this week's Energy of the High Energy Health Podcast radio show. I'm Miriam Paninsky and today I'm in conversation with the amazing Dr. Lori Monaco and we were just talking about that inner resilience or bravery or courage or whatever you call it that you had at that moment of kind of like consciously making that choice of not leaving consciously making that choice and and one of the driving points was your middle daughter which i think is such an important point and i think it's and, and even if you don't have children i think there's always that glimpse for everyone don't you think yeah i think so well i'd like to think so i know that people mm-hmm. that do go through with it mm-hmm. that whatever it was just wasn't it just they couldn't connect on that level to just say i'm worth it like i i need to be here there's a purpose for me and i mean i didn't think along in those lines i didn't think that there was a purpose for me i thought for sure that she would repeat what i did cuz you know it's logical i mean hey listen mom was unhappy and if i'm unhappy I'll just mm-hmm. do what she did. And yeah. I couldn't stomach that. Like I really couldn't stomach. Yeah. And so 
that was the part one. Like that's what got me to drive away where I was and what I was going to do. And it got me to drive away mm-hmm. and it got me to move on and then move to say, okay, I got to be accountable. Like, okay, what is going on here? Why do these things happen to me? And go into a place that I had never gone before. And I knew it. That was the other thing. It's like, I've done work on myself over the years, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm obviously not a very good job. And I knew better, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like Maya Angelou has that quote that she says, yeah. do the best you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. But I said to myself, I know better. Like, why mm-hmm. am I not doing better? So mm-hmm. I had to actually sit with that piece of it and say, okay, really, what is, what's going on here? It was mm-hmm. really coming to terms with the fact that I was getting in my own way because I just did not think I was worth it. I didn't think, mm-hmm. you know, that I didn't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. And I always thought I was a, a weak person. I was a, mm-hmm. too sensitive. I was this, I was that. I had to take change all those thoughts. I had to rewire all of that in my brain. Speaking of which, what you also went through and a lot, a big component of that was your marriage at the time. And actually, as I said, one of your focal points in your practice today is actually working with narcissistic abuse survivors. And I think like in the recent years, narcissism has really become almost ubiquitous term to the extent that I feel it's almost becoming overused sometimes sometimes with the fact that the word narcissism is thrown at people in the media when we may just be triggered or maybe and that's the other thing about that narcissism or like as a narcissistic personality disorder or within relationships with this uh, like relationships with a strong component of narcissistic abuse are just so much more prevalent than we thought and there's just more awareness now so working with all of these women, what is your take on that? Everything you said is absolutely 100% accurate. It is, I get annoyed with how it is used. It has become the the in thing to talk about. People overuse it. They overlabel. They don't understand it completely. And then, but it's the awareness too, that we do live in a very narcissistic society. We live in a society that kind of breeds that entitled un- lack of accountability behavior. Those are some of the very classic traits of them. I mean, you look at our governments, my God, I mean, that's, that's how they are. Like yeah. nobody wants to take responsibility for anything, you know? So when you're with these women and even the few men that I've worked with, it's when you teach them, because this is what I usually do is I teach them about the traits. We talk about the behaviors and we don't just pigeonhole one relationship, you know, it could be their significant other, but we, but I usually, what I've learned is that there's always more than one. If, if there's mm-hmm. one person in your life that has these traits, there were other people in your life that had these traits. And the reason you, they are very good at what they do. So they can manipulate a person, but most individuals just feel comfortable with these individuals, these traits, because they were around it, especially mm-hmm. growing up. So they just think this is normal. So a lot of these individuals, it's like an awakening for them, for sure. They didn't even mm-hmm. realize that they were in these very toxic relationships. They didn't, they knew they lost themselves, but they were dumbfounded at the level at which they've lost themselves. They Mm -hmm. also gain this strength, this courage that they never thought was possible because they understood now that it wasn't them. And I teach them to take ownership, obviously, of their own decisions, their own choices. I teach accountability. I'm a big fan of accountability, like Mm -hmm. more than you know. But it's not to take accountability for the other individual's choices, that these individuals are working from a completely different mindset. And Mm -hmm. when 
they start to see the differences, it's very empowering for them, like very empowering for them because they mm-hmm. just, it's like anything, I suppose, you know, when we could look at something and we see it all day, every day, and we don't really notice it because it's our perception. But when mm-hmm. it's put into such a way where just one little piece of information is given, where the person's perception is allowed to shift just slightly, all of a sudden mm-hmm. they notice things that they never noticed before. And I love being a part of that piece of it because you know, you see so many people just, I mean, so mentally and emotionally messed up from these highly manipulative people. And then to be able to not only rebuild themselves, but to protect themselves from any type of future relationship, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's family members, friends, you know, bosses mm-hmm. or significant other. And, uh, and it's, it's fantastic because they find themselves. That's, that's the mm-hmm. beauty is they, they mm-hmm. discover who they really are, who they were really meant to be. And they just mm-hmm. flourish from there. Mm-hmm. And I think you said something really important also, and I want to pick up on that after the break also, is the component of owning that you keep choosing these relationships too. Because we're, again, because as you said, we're used to, we're not just used to them in a way we're addicted to them. Our system yes, is addicted to them. Exactly. We're seeking that out. And that's also like part, a lot of part of my work is codependency aspect. And we're also addicted in a way to being a victim because it's kind of like been a little bit of a cushion in a way. Yes. But when we say owning is not to say we disregard your trauma, but to say we can own it so you can be empowered to change to shift yes. into something else. So Absolutely. I think that was a really, really important point that you made. We will be right back after another short little commercial break. Please be right back with us with this conversation with Lori Monaco. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to today's episode of the High Energy Health Podcast. I'm Miriam Paninsky and I'm in conversation with the fabulous Dr. Lori Monica. And we were just talking about basically these pivotal points of realizing what you've chosen and what you're in and kind of like how this, the narcissistic pattern usually isn't one that just concerns one relationship in your life, but usually comes in bunches, so to say. But speaking of which, and also like speaking to the people in our audience who may or may not be sure about dynamics in their relationships, what are some of the red flags you're hearing a lot when it comes to narcissistic abuse, and especially the red flags we may not be paying so much attention to? Yeah. So it's the reality is, is that people that have narcissistic personality disorder and any of the cluster B disorders in general, but I I don't really talk about, I focus mostly on narcissistic personality disorder or the traits, you know, you don't have to be diagnosed with it to still be toxic. You don't, if you have the traits and you can get those traits from being around people that are narcissistic, that actually have the, the disorder, or you are raised by somebody like that, And the common pieces are things like the manipulation, the entitlement, the lack of accountability, the control. And it's so easy to, they package it in a way that is appealing to most individuals. So in other words, 
you know, there's the, the way that they go about manipulating the individual in the first place. They oh, get because there's by... a lot of love bombing. Involved. Yes, that's always right? the first one. The love bombing is always the first one. It's the one that's like basically telling the individual that, you know, oh, I love you. And, and what happens is, is that we as the person on the receiving end make the mistake of trusting these individuals and sharing an awful lot about ourselves in the beginning of these relationships. We think that these individuals want to hear, they want to listen, and they care because, wow, this person's listening to, especially women to men, because we we know men, quote, are notoriously not good listeners, you know? So they usually like to talk about themselves. So when you have a man that's sitting on the other end saying, no, tell me more about yourself. Tell me about your childhood, blah, blah, blah. The, that's a big red flag, you know, because they, they're getting the information. They're constantly asking you things because that is stuff that they will remember so that they can manipulate and use it against you at a later time. The love bombing, they find your need in a lack state. So they provide you what you need. And then, oh, this person really likes me. Oh, they're calling me all the time. They're texting me. But what it is, is control. It's checking in on you. And it's it's done in such a way and then until the love bombing is not necessary anymore, then the other elements of their personality come out where they can be aggressive, they could be assertive, they could be even abusive physically, mentally, emotionally for sure. And and they can even play the victim themselves. It's and it's it's very interesting. Now that I know what to look for, it's very I, I actually get a I everything I watch now, whether if I'm watching a movie or a TV show. I instantly say in my head, oh, that character is very narcissistic, you know, <laughs> and there's some that are specific for that. And I will actually tell clients or if I'm doing a, a work, teaching a master class or if I'm I'm on Clubhouse, you know, teaching, I'll mm-hmm. say, check this movie out, check this show out, because that will give you insight into that type of behavior. The reason we get sucked in because we're putting, and I really believe this, we put out the energy, brings them to us. They, We put out the energy of being needy. And the irony is, is that a narcissistic individual is actually very insecure and very needy themselves. Mm-hmm. They, you end up creating a very codependent relationship. You're dependent on them. They're dependent on you. And then you get trauma bonded to the individual where you, you they'll mm-hmm. say things, horrible things to you. They'll, they'll be very controlling of you. You'll make excuses for it. You'll be, oh, well, but they didn't mean it. They were in a bad mood. They, and we just set this awful like, dynamic within our own selves that allows us to stay there. Not to mention the fact that we feel like well, I can't get any better than this. Why try? You know, mm-hmm. we, and we just this inner monologue that we just constantly mm-hmm. do to ourselves because of the manipulation and the abuse that we had suffered from them. Right. And again, like also realizing that the gaslighting may be happening from that person, but it's also an inner gaslighting. Oh, yeah. Constantly do with ourselves. It's, oh, it's yeah. Part of that kind of like tango, basically. So what I'm interested in, like within this, the mental health kind of community and also coaching as to there is kind of no real consent uh, as to whether or not a relationship with a narcissist, like I'm saying like with someone with a narcissistic personality disorder is actually possible or not. So some are saying, just get the hell out as fast as you can run. Narcissism is too complex and is is one of the personality disorders that is almost impossible to quote unquote cure. Yes. And some have more of a moderate approach to this. What is your take on that? 
Um, thank you for that question. That's actually a really fabulous question. It, it falls, I'm not a big fan of labels, but the reality is, is that we kind of do have to compartmentalize and label things so that we understand them and then we can take mm -hmm. them away if we need to. But even within the realm of narcissistic personality disorder, they, there are different types of narcissists. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that is discussed within the realm of the mental health community as, as far as it's discussed. What I mean is that it's not in the actual DSM-5. It doesn't list different types of narcissists. It just says mm -hmm. this is narcissistic personality disorder period. So there are certain narcissists that are less problematic, let's say, than others, you know, and mm -hmm. there's one particular like the extroverted type and they're very flamboyant. They're very, you know, they, everything is about me, but they're very direct about it. Like, you know what you're getting. And I right. think that's where if you know what you're getting, and mm -hmm. you're okay with that. Like if you're a, I don't mind taking the back seat. I'll put that person in the front. That's totally fine. I think those relationships could totally work out. The key is the honesty piece is this is yeah. what I, who I am and what I like to be. And this is who I am. And we're polar opposites. And I think we can make this work. The problem arises when a lot of these narcissists are not very, you know, they lie and they, they create a persona that's really not true. And mm -hmm. that's when it becomes impossible to have relationships with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hitting some really important points. We are going into another short little break. Please be right back with us in just a couple of minutes after this little break. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to this last segment of the conversation with Dr. Lori Monaco. And I just want to pick up on where, what we just talked about, kind of like segueing into this question and what one hears from people who seem to be unable to release a relationship that obviously has a very severe, toxic, or if not like highly abusive component is this, but I love her, but I love him. What, like, is this really love? What, what is your take on that, Lori? Well, if you're talking about the abused person, I do believe that they think that they love the the person and they might love the person, but I think that they fall in more in love with the idea of the relationship and what the relationship can give them in their head, even if it's not a great relationship, what it's still offering them. I, I can only speak from my own personal experience that for me, when I finally released that piece of it, that trauma bond and accepted the fact that this wasn't a, a loving relationship because the individual that I was with or individuals don't understand how to love. Like, narcissistic individuals do not really comprehend that concept. They're, everything is very conditional for them. For me, I had to take a step back and redefine what I thought love was and question those things and say, well, what actually is love? What, what am I looking for? What is What does it mean to me? And what yeah. I ended up coming out with was conditional. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, yes. unconditional. I wanted unconditional uh -huh. love and I wanted to give it. I give unconditional. So my thought is, I, I deserve to receive that back. And when mm -hmm. I when I defined what is conditional and what is unconditional and really sat with that, mm -hmm. that's when I realized that I know I loved this person, these people, because I know how to love. So it is love for, for these individuals mm -hmm. that are abused. 
But I think that's the hardest piece is to let go of is the fact that you have to come to terms with the fact that these other individuals are not capable of loving in that way. And you have mm -hmm. to just acknowledge that you have to acknowledge that, which allows you to pull from that relationship. It, it allows you to be able to pull from that relationship because then you say, I deserve so much more. You know, it's, I don't think of my past relationships. I don't hate them. I don't think awful of them. Mm -hmm. it, they're who they are. If they want help, great. I mean, if they really do have narcissistic personality disorder, none of them have been diagnosed, but they've well, they all definitely had the traits at, at the very least. But if they've not, if they're not willing to work on themselves, that that's I, there's mm -hmm. nothing I can do about it. And they are wounded people. They are people with a disorder, but I cannot be a part of that. Like I, I can't, my job is not to heal them. They have to heal themselves. And they, and the only way to do that is to recognize that they do these things, that they behave this mm -hmm. way and understand where the lack is coming from. And especially with my second husband, there was a lot of, it was the, it was definitely family dynamics. It was lack of love and attention. And mm -hmm. his idea of love is just not, you know, it's not what real love is. And I, yeah, I feel so, I I feel bad about that. I, I for mm -hmm. him, you know, I don't feel bad about the situation. I mean, I feel for him, but it's, I have to protect me. I have to take care of me and give me what I deserve. That made it a lot easier. Come to terms with that and then say, well, but I love him. Well, I did. And I honor myself for being that person, but mm -hmm. I also love myself. That's the relationship that I learned. You know, that's the one that's most important first. It's, mm -hmm. I have to love me and then I will be able to love properly myself and receive mm -hmm. it properly as well. Lori, and I want to talk about your offerings also before we close the show, but do you have like one, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you have many, but what is like one of your favorite success stories that comes to mind when thinking of working, of the work you do with all of these women? Well, one of them... I think the irony is actually the one that's coming to mind was a man, actually, it was a male client. Interesting. Uh -huh. And this was an individual who was had very bad PTSD and actually probably had CPTSD. And he was living in a constant bubble of depression, anxiety, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't go out for long periods of time. And just working through like doing, teaching mindfulness, teaching breathing techniques, making him aware of who he was, the boundaries that he was, that he didn't have that were very healthy, and then redirecting himself, understanding who he was, and then creating really amazing boundaries for himself, mm -hmm. catapulted him into a very, very rapid change. Mm -hmm. He went from having, he had, he had been dealing with this for six years, six years, had gone to therapists, even had medication. And within a short period of time, I'm talking like 10 sessions, he wow. was already like, he actually booked a trip to go away on his own by himself to uh, Nashville. And he did, he went, had an absolutely fantastic time. And this, and he said it, he's like, I can't believe it. Six years, six years, I have been like this. And and it was really just giving him the proper tools, the techniques for him yeah. to work on himself, for him to, because he did the work. I just guided yeah. him. That's awesome. That's really beautiful to hear. And I just want to encourage our audience as we kind of wrap it up, please check out Dr. Lori's offerings. Her website is Dr. Lori, spelled L-O-R-I, Monaco.com, M-O-N-A-C-O, Dr. Lori, Monaco.com. 
And Laurie, what is it you'd like to share with our audience about your books? Because I know you're like looking and want to attract more and more of those stories. Yeah. So if, if you are a fabulous lady that has a story to share and you're ready to share it and you want to publish it, you know, it doesn't matter if you've been an author before or not. You, We've had plenty. We've had both. But if you want to be in the next round, we're always looking and taking applications. You can go to my website, but you could also go to herbadassstory.com. I'm sorry, beabadassauthor.com. And you can fill out the application and have a conversation with me to see if you can be in the next one. We're, we, we're Like I said, we're going to be publishing again in the summer and in the fall. And that will be the normal times. We're going to be doing a publish uh, in the early summer and in the fall from this point going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Lori. This was beautiful. Please check out Lori's offering. It was a delight talking to you today. Oh, fabulous, Miriam. I have missed you. I'm so happy that you had me come on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for the for, to our audience too for tuning in and we'll you will hear from us next week at the same time. Thank you so much and bye-bye. Mm-hmm.